First Church Charlotte. Greetings to everyone, wherever you are joining us from. We hope you are having a great week, and we are excited to be able to spend some time together in the Word of the Lord, uh, growing together, becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I want to direct your attention to Mark chapter number uh, 12. Uh, we've taken a break from uh, Mark here recently, but uh, we have not forgotten where we are in our uh, textual Bible teaching through the Gospel of Mark. I want to direct your attention to uh, chapter 12, and we're going to read at verse number 38, and I will... Uh, I will start here, and uh, hopefully you have your Bible open on your lap. If you don't, I encourage you to to join us with the Bible, but I've put this on the screen also for your convenience. Then Jesus said to them in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplace, the best seats in the house, Excuse me. Uh, the best seats in the marketplace and who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater nation. Now, uh, to be completely transparent and honest with you, this is not, shall we say, uh, uh, encouraging a passage of scripture that we read here together. Uh, there is some appropriate heaviness to it. And I would not in any regard or by any means seek to take scripture that is presented with great seriousness and then treat it as though it had small importance. Um, it's written in a heavy style and it comes with a serious warning uh, that Jesus gives his disciples. Uh, this is a common theme. Jesus does not spend much time rebuking sinners. Now, I know that 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 may surprise you, but Jesus's battle, uh, those who would contest his work, is not with sinners. Uh, most of his interactions with sinners uh, are quite positive in that the sinner is challenged to reevaluate their life and challenge to do uh, a serious job of evaluating the kind of person they want to be. And many of them choose to change the whole of their life when Jesus invites them to do so. Uh, they sell half of their possessions. They commit to honest dealings and ethical, ethical ways. Um, so it is with a woman caught in the very act of adultery, go and sin no more. Um, it, it, very little problem with sinners, but the competing religious structures are what causes the difficulty for Jesus. Now, most of us just rush past this without taking it seriously. If you've spent much time listening to me teach, you know I'm, I'm not one of those. I do take this Pharisee problem quite seriously. Because if you are to look at the life of Jesus, uh, the anti-Jesus, uh, the anti-Christ, uh, is not the sinner. Uh, there's an antidote to sin, the anti-Christ, the anti-way of selfless living and purposeful um, ministry 
the opposite is the way of the scribe, the way of the Sadducee, the way of the Pharisee. And these are the people who give the difficulty um, to the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I want to, I want to, it's not that I want to overdo it. It's just, I don't want to casually mention something that the Bible takes very, very seriously. This is uh, toward the end of Jesus's ministry, and this is a quite serious um, time for him to be to be having this conversation. Let me uh, give you a little bit of context here in the scripture. I'm going to take you back to my Bible. If we look right here, um, we have found ourselves um, in a very important and very heavy contextualization. Uh, first of all, uh, you have the scribes uh, asking this question, uh, what's the greatest commandment of them all? Um, and Jesus, of course, here, the great commandment, love God, love people, all love God with all your heart, mind, all your soul, your mind, your strength. This is the first command, command, commandment. And the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than this. You will remember we uh, then read through this uh, passage where the man says he's done as best as he can. And um, the Lord says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. The scribes are not content with this kind of a call. They want to argue theology. And so they want to argue this kind of technocratic theological details. And they ask this question, how can you, uh, you know, uh, we taught about this. How can you call your descendant Lord if you're the son of uh, David? Um, and Jesus, uh, Jesus, he, he answers their question and then he warns the crowd about the people who are answer, asking the question. Look at this context. They're asking this technical question. Jesus goes immediately into warning all of those who observe about the scribes. Uh, this is pretty bold um, to go straight from answering their questions to warning the people of a way of uh, serving the Lord that is not pleasing to the Lord, to warn the people against the uh, the ways of uh, the scribes and the Pharisees. Uh, so there are four things that are given that are symbolic, and I will uh, talk about them first. They desire to wear long robes. Uh, they love to give uh, formal religious salutations in public. Um, they fight over the best seats in the synagogue. Um, they were called the first seats. Uh, that That is uh, what they're called in the Greek. Um, this refers to the benches along the walls of the synagogues, um, and especially the dias before uh, that's in the front um, that faced the congregation on the that, that sat on the floor in the middle of the synagogue. Here's what's interesting. Imagine a place of prominence. It's like uh, it's like getting to sit on the platform at a big event. They love the place of prominence. Um, so number one, they dress to show their status, long robes. Now in Jewish culture, that is religious robes. There were specific uh dress details for uh, the priesthood. 
Um, and they loved that. Uh, and any other type of full length prayer shawl that had tassels attached to the four corners. Um, and this is, would be in contrast to the common Jewish dress, which would have been fairly colorful at this time. But they wore these long, full-length prayer shawls um, everywhere. Um, and they loved to be known that way. Um, they loved formal salutations in the marketplaces, and they loved to have people call them rabbi. Um <laughs> They they love titles. They loved preeminence. And the best seats is they love the seat of preeminence. And finally, they want the best place at the feasts. Um, all of these are um, important, important symbols. But I want to um, I want to challenge you all to look at this from a principled perspective, not just uh, we're not like that. We're recovering Pharisees. Maybe we used to be Pharisees, but we're not Pharisees anymore. And we don't live that way and we don't judge by the outside and we can move on because it doesn't apply to us. That's not true. It applies to all of us. But I want you to look at these four things and I want you to notice that none of these things are sins. None of these things are sins. Now he's going to mention a sin but none of these first four things is a sin. The fifth thing he mentions is a sin, and this is they devour widows' houses. Um, we'll talk about that. And the sixth thing is they love long, eloquent prayers that parade in some sense their religious knowledge and their uh, religious uh, excellence. Now, these are the people that have the most authority in Jewish culture. These are the people that have the most influence in Jewish culture. And these are the people who consistently strive to trip Jesus up, to trap Jesus, to steal Jesus's fame for their own uh, and to attack him as a threat. Ultimately, they will conspire to kill him. Now, of the six signs mentioned, none of these specifically uh, None of these are specifically important uh, in any easily identifiable categorization of sin. It's not like you can say, oh, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't do the other. Uh, none of these things except for one is a sin unless you understand how pride is the biggest enemy of uh, the religious heart and pride is the biggest enemy of the religious uh, community if you understand that the battle that we fight is primarily one of pride fighting pride if you understand that then you understand these things that are not sins with pride added become not just a sin but a marker of being an enemy of Jesus, an anti-Jesus, an anti-Christ, the opposite of the kingdom of heaven. Six things, one of them is a clear sin. Five of them are not sins in themselves unless you see them through that great religious enemy pride. And then these things become sin. So um, this is the... This is the real issue. The real question is the realization that pride has a corrosive effect even on good people. 
Pride has a corrosive effect on this preacher. It has a corrosive effect on every man or woman that is used of God. Pride is our um, our adversary, our foe. Uh, pride is what turned heaven into hell. Pride is what convinced Lucifer to lead insurrection against his own father and creator. Pride is the firstborn of evil. And so six things listed. Uh, they want to be known to have religious status by their signification of long robes. When they talk about long robes, this is not talking about modesty uh, per se. Um, uh, Jesus never mentions any type of dress whatsoever except as a sign of Pharisees. He never criticizes people working in the field where they, 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 to use an ancient term, they gird their loins with their, their robes. Uh, or if they were from Greek or Roman culture, uh, from their, with their tunics and they're tied up around their waist and kind of create type of shorts from their, their robes. Uh, uh, this isn't about modesty. Now, if people were, I, I believe if modesty was a problem in the culture, I believe Jesus would have addressed it. Um, he had no problem addressing other things that were going wrong. Um, uh, that's not what you're talking about. This is a religious thing. This is a pride thing. Um, the second thing is the formal way of saluting each other, greeting one another in the market marketplace and to have people greet them with a title and to re rebuke people who do not give them status even in the marketplace. Um, this very much is a pride, a pride, uh, a thing. It is a sign of the Pharisee heart. Uh, the seat of preeminence that others might know that they, these individual, you know, deserves honor and attention. The best place at the feasts. Um, and let's go ahead and do the next sin and then we'll, end, or, or the next sign and then we'll end with the sin. The next sign would be they love to offer, uh, eloquent, lengthy, uh, prayers and they, uh, you know, they, they just love being, um, I love displaying their religious excellence, shall we say. Um, and so this takes us to the sin. There's one sin here that I will, I will, um, point out to you here. Um, this is, uh, right here in, uh, verse number 40. Uh, they want the best seats in the synagogues and the best place at feasts and number 40. But they devour the widows' houses. They devour the widows' houses. Now, in this time, uh, many, much of the wealth of uh, that was given to poor people was administrated through the structures of the temple. Um, and many women, because of their limited legal status, um, had to have uh, someone else represent them in certain contexts. And these individuals would take advantage, basically um, embezzle funds or freeload on the hospitality of the widows or mismanage the estates of the widows that are uh, entrusted to them. Basically, they take advantage. So whenever, and here's the key thing, whenever they have an audience, they are the very picture of religiosity the picture of probity, the picture of ethics. 
But whenever they're entrusted with something that no one knows what they did, uh, they transgress. They do what's good for them. Not They don't really care for um, the widow or the orphan. Uh, as long as there is a public uh, reward to their service, then they are quick to serve, quick to give. But the moment there isn't uh, a real reward publicly and the opportunity has come for them to have personal ethics before God, uh, they embezzle the funds of of those who of those who are given to him in in trust. So basically here here is the here is uh, the continuation now that I've introduced you to uh, their problem. Jesus will continue and he will show us uh, the opposite. And now we're in verses number 41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which made a quadrant. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put more in than all those who have given to the treasury for they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had her whole livelihood. So there is this opposite. There is opposites that is happening here. There is the heart of the Pharisee who uses religion for community advancement and status. And they are perfectly willing to do anything religious as long as there is a social community benefit to it. Um, status, preference, pride. They're supposed to be taking care of these widows, but this is where they err on the side of serving themselves. And on the other hand, they're in this same temple where these leaders, these same synagogues where these leaders are acting in such a self-serve manner, there's, there's, there's widows there. And Jesus finds one to show the lesson of how this individual has no preeminence, has no status, never gets the good seats in the house, is never preferred, is never exalted, is never celebrated. Her name isn't mentioned at the feasts. No one entrusts her with their funds. And here the Bible says, Jesus uses her to teach a lesson to his disciples. He's just rebuked the scribes and Pharisees. And now he uses this woman as an example. And he says, she's not just giving out of her abundance. She has given all. Um, there is in all of us a continual temptation, a continual temptation to replace our sincere pursuit of Jesus and his way, making a broken world whole, taking what we have, seeing it as a cross to carry, giving to the kingdom of God, making our lives less comfortable and more purposeful. 
finding a way to serve, to share, to give, or simply being religious. There is two paths that are contrasted here, and Jesus will use both of them as as teaching. He will use these opposites as instruction. Now, I don't know about you, but I... I'm afraid of my own capacity to get things wrong in terms of serving God. I'm very aware of the fact that I can make mistakes. I can get caught up in pride. Um, I'm very aware of the fact that my pride is nowhere near as under control as perhaps it should be. It's nowhere near as organized as perhaps it should be. Um, it's always there looking to slip back in. Uh, to my life, looking to find a way to grip my heart. Um, this is why I, as a believer, as a minister, I have to have a prayer life. Um, this is why I have to have some method of humbling myself. I have to have some way to commit myself again and again to God. And I have to have a check. Uh, otherwise, the blessings of God turn into a personal kingdom and its promotion rather than a godly kingdom and his promotion. And so these two contrasts um, are, are in exact opposite. And I cannot sit here with great, great confidence and say that I have, I have uh, solved this problem that I am not subject to pride. Um, I think that that would be uh, a statement of vanity. I think something we should do is humble ourselves in prayer and ask God sincerely um, to create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit uh, within us. Um, we need it. Every one of our leaders in our church needs it. We have to ask ourselves, why do we want to serve why do we want to lead? Why do we want to direct others? Why do we want to have the microphone? If our why isn't right, the kingdom of God will ultimately feel like a disappointment of sorts. It will not satisfy our flesh. It will simply have been something that seemed right at the time. Uh, I don't know about you, but I want very, very much. I want to have a heart um, after the kingdom of God, a focus upon the kingdom of God, a seeking after the kingdom of God. Um, and the only way I know to do that is to uh, commit to um, the prayer, commit to worrying about my own potential for self-deception, and commit to asking God to continually renew in me a servant's heart. Not just a clean heart, but a servant's heart. I want to end with that emphasis uh, for all of you. Uh, we are challenged. We are challenged to pray for uh, more than forgiveness of sins. Remember, we are, we are not the purpose of God. We are invited to be a part of the purpose of God. Um, he doesn't want us to perish, but he doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants us to be saved. So the directive 
really for the church, uh, the fulfillment of the body of Christ as a committed commissioned forces, uh, see lost people saved, saved people pastored, pastored people equipped and equipped people sent. You see this in the parable of, of, uh, the, the table at the, the father's table in the harvest field where everyone wants to sit at the table, but very few people want to work in the harvest. Um, there's rejection out there. There's awkwardness out there. There's embarrassment out there. Um, you get sweaty out there. <laughs> um, you pour your heart out to people and find out that, uh, they, they didn't care. They, 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 uh, you weren't doing it for them, but you could not stop getting your, um, heart tied up with other people. Um, and you have to let them go and you have to go back to the harvest field. This is what we're called to do. Uh, this is what we as a church are striving to do. That's why we love as a church, uh, as a church culture, we love things like the backpack drive because we had nearly 600 cars drive through, um, hundreds of them prayed over. Um, we gave money that we had in the form of helping kids and families. The Lord is going to bless us for that with more because he knows he can trust us to share and to give. Um, but this has to be, has to be our heart. Can't just celebrate the table. We have to see the field. All right. That's enough. Lord Jesus, I am praying right now that as a church, there would be a hunger within us collectively and each one of us respectively to explore our individual gifts and to serve. We really have a lot of things going on, whether it's ministries or, or small groups, whether it's um, serving neighborhood children through Prosper U or uh, helping people find uh, real spiritual deliverance through celebrating recovery, uh, whether it's teaching, uh, counseling, serving, we have a lot going on. Uh, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would not let us be so trapped in our schedule that we miss the next open door of opportunity and ministry. I pray somehow that our church would get the feel that uh, it seems like people are driving by and we always are doing something for the community. I pray that we would have that feel. There's always, every season, there's something happening uh, uh, with our arms open to the community. Um, Lord, I pray that we would have a heart of a servant. I pray that we would have a clean heart, yes. Um, but I also pray we would have a transformed heart, the heart of a servant, that we would know you and that we would serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you all. We hope you have a great week. Uh, we have our services in Charlotte, 9, 15, and 11 a.m., uh, a service in Concord at 2 p.m. Uh, you could go to our websites and find out more information, firstchurchclt.com. Uh, God bless you. We love you. Have a great week in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. 
you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us. Thank you.